He just loved being Asian. You just, you were wearing the shirt, you've taken off your shirt, now you're wearing another shirt. Yeah, he's strolling around, and he's smoking opium, he cannot be on top of every customer. Lifestyle.com. It's the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. My name is Brian Beckner. Thank you very much for joining the program. Episode number 299. That's one away from 300. I'm very stoked to have you in the mix. Have you as part of our enjoying this journey with us, being on this journey. Uh, if you would like to reach out, please do. We're talking about a movie today, and people like to comment on those. Uh, mailbag at theballerlifestyle.com is the email address. Also, voicemail. Lots of good voicemailers these days. 949-464-8257. Subscribe to our Patreon. Ed Daly had an amazing rant this week on Patreon regarding the true villain of the Home Alone movie, uh, a Christmas classic. Um, you should check that out. Patreon.com slash The Baller Lifestyle. And of course, go to our subreddit. Reddit. No, wait. TBLS underscore podcast on Reddit is, I think, how you say it. Um, I am joined now this week, as I have been for almost all of the 299 previous episodes. You know, sometimes I look at. So every month, every single episode of the show that we've ever done gets downloaded at least once, including episode one, which is insane. Uh, But I'm joined now, as I am each and every week for 299 episodes, including episode one by Mr. Ed Daly. Ed, what's up? Hey, you know, it's... It's a shame we didn't we didn't plan it well enough in advance to get Jerry Butler for our 300th episode. Oh, Mr. 300. That would be pretty sweet to have him on. I, he he um, used to, according to Kate McManus, he used to do used to go to the same yoga class as her. So I feel like we could if we had been better planners, maybe we could have sent her or yeah. a surrogate. Mm-hmm. To to that yoga class at Equinox in West Hollywood to get Jerry's attention, just maybe like put put some boobs or a vagina near him. Seems, probably, seems to be a thing for him, right? That would yeah. probably get his attention and, and uh, just direct him over here to my place. I'll I would have plenty of Scotch whiskey if that's what he desires, and uh, he, we could interview he him. Seems, I mean, he seems like. Any interview, it seems like he's just really enjoying life. He seems as relaxed as possible. Also, well, yeah. And like in between filming, when his um, face balloons up into a full puff situation, it seems like he really is enjoying himself. Then he gets back on whatever he does to get in 300 shape. Although he doesn't get in 300 shape anymore, but he gets in like pretty good shape. Um, that reminds me, got to look it up right now. When are we going to see Den of Thieves 2? When, when is that coming out? I, I know, know that they were making it. Oh, but... Den of Thieves 2, Pantera. Oh, I like it. I already love it. 
<laughs> this must be some big heist. Let's see here. I know. Yeah. I, forgive me. Yeah. Because I remember loving it in an, in one sense, but also I don't remember who died, who lived. Well, I don't remember much. Well, that's what I was just going to say because I'm looking at the cast here and Jerry Butler, of course, as big Nick O'Brien, he survived. We, we recall Does, that. Uh, Shriver, Pablo Shriver? No. Is he? No. Pablo Shriver went down. Got it. So okay. we lost him, which is unfortunate because he clearly got on the Jerry Butler 300 program for this movie. Yeah, he did. He got huge. Yeah. My man was jacked. Um, you'll recall because at the end of the original Den of Thieves, there was uh, like a preview. You know, it ended with a big twist reveal yeah i remember the the twist action yeah i don't over to london i don't want to spoil it but it turns out that ice cube who looked to be just a lesser member of the gang was actually a svengali behind the scenes working everything in his favor and then the movie ended with him now he's over in london and he's a bartender and he's looks like he's plotting again like he did with the original heat ripoff in the first den of thieves but he's doing it with a Cockney accent. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who's like, oh, you fucking ruined it. I promise you knowing no. the exact plot doesn't ruin anything. No, it doesn't. It's so that bad. doesn't that doesn't spoil Curtis Jackson's acting. Doesn't. There's so many things to take away from that movie. And what actually happens is not one of them. Well, spoiler alert, because Ensign Laveau. Played by the amazing 50 Cent. <laughs> apparently survived the first film because he's listed in the cast. I don't remember him surviving in the movie. I don't, I thought everybody got shot. There's not, yeah, a, I thought, I thought so. But I mean, he was, it was only the Clint Eastwood real life actors were worse than he was in that movie. He, or, he or better. was, it's amazing. Extremely terrible. And so much so that they only gave him like three lines in the whole movie. Most of the time but he's he just standing there. Of, yeah, he was in a yes, lot of yeah. scenes and he doesn't even like he doesn't even stand in a scene correctly. Yeah. Like, you know, when like they're planning something and he's supposed to look engaged, yeah. I guess. Yeah. He was not. He was like, I don't have a line, so I'll just I'll just stand here. Like not not focusing on anything. I'm a little concerned because it says it's still in pre-production, which means there might, Oh, 50 cent is a producer on this movie, uh, which could mean that we're, we might not get a den of these two. We might get flashbacks if he, if he did die, right? Which would be awesome. Yes. Okay. Here's a, here's, Hold on. Deadline. But this is from almost a year ago. Deadline. Den of Thieves gets sequel with Gerard Butler, 50 Cent. Filmmakers reuniting. Um, so it looks like they've packed it to return. People are signed. Uh, let's see. Same director. Blah, blah, blah. Diamond Thieves. This one's going to be Diamond Thieves with the infamous Panther Mafia. Sounds amazing. Hence the Pantera. Pantera, yep. Um, I mean, the first one was considered pretty successful. So I guess we'll just have to kind of like hang in there. See what happens with our dear friend, Jerry Butler. 
Yeah. He's gonna I still I still never got to see the the Angel has the fallen. Recent, yeah, I never oh, saw Angel has fallen. I think because I think he's doing another one of those too. That's the problem. He's got too many franchises that rely on his puffy face and inability to do him. an American I accent. Love I love him. He's great. Stop with the American accent. Don't, I know that you told pretend. me last. He's, right. <laughs> he was not trying to put on an American accent in any of those movies. Uh, Arnie talks about it. How when he first started, I don't know, was it Mel Gibson or somebody was like, because they were like dubbing his lines and they were trying to, yeah. you know, the first Conan. He, he, the first Conan, he, he, he had no part. Right. And no, uh, no speaking. Right. So, so at some point, somebody said, fuck it. Just speak with an accent. You'll be fine. Nobody will care. And that uh, apparently worked. So maybe Jerry Butler can do the same thing. Just be Scottish in every movie. You could be an American special forces secret service agent and sound Scottish and nobody cares. Just be Scottish. Uh, okay. You want to do, you want to do some, let's do some, Oh, by the way, this, we um, may have a new worst guy in the baller lifestyle universe, because originally it was Jay Stu because he along with some co-conspirators in the listening community talked us into reviewing quite possibly the worst movie in the history of this show, Howard the Duck. And I thought, well, no one could surpass Jay Stew in just pure awfulness until last night and today. Mm -hmm. When candidate for new worst guy in the baller lifestyle universe ed daly <laughs> i just thought of this the scene yeah the scene's great the scene and i was yeah. thinking this yeah. has got to be a great movie to do but i was a little hazy on the details ed daly convinced me to i just i was trying to think of a a, a christmas time movie <laughs> And we have some suggestions for next year that are going to be better. Well, last year we did the definitive Christmas movie, Die Hard. But we've done very Brady Christmas. We've we've Amazing. bounced around. We did Charlie Brown. That was awful. That Charlie that Brown Christmas fun. is but that was so a bad. fun one too. Yeah. This the problem with this one. So you many can things. go so many you, things. Uh, it, but overall, the problem is it tends to be on the boring side. It's super boring. Like very redundant. It, 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 half the scenes uh, already happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, of course, we're talking about the 1984 Spielberg epic. Spielberg produced Joe Dante directed Gremlins, which. And I believe Joe Dante did the underrated Burbs with Tom Hanks. Oh, that's a good movie. Um, we'll, we'll get into it more, but Ed Daly, if not at the top is definitely on the list of worst guys on this show for making me watch all of Gremlins, which luckily was airing this week on IFC. So I was able to record it and I didn't have to plunk down the three ninety nine to get it off Amazon. So there is a win there in that it was on television. Uh, let's do some voicemails, some emails, and then we'll talk Gremlins. 
He's so easy to hate Your time he likes to waste His calls are far from great His calls are far from great He's such a stupid fuck He seems down on his luck His voicemails really suck His voicemails really suck No one's enjoying him He's so annoying Plus so fucking boring And worthless But he's got nothing else to do And he's even worse than ish Ish, 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 ish His thoughts are useless shit, 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 shit He's fat and got big tit, 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 tits He's Manuel in Gardenia Oh, he's Manuel in Gardenia Oh, um, I, before we get into a voicemail, I want to point out that I can make up for this call by I fell on the great grenade and watched like 40 minutes of the Star Wars special. Oh, yeah. Had been yeah. talked about it. And, and you I called said, it off. This, this is this is a no go. Even though it's like classically bad, it would have it was unbearable. Is, is, and, and nothing to discuss. I remember. Art Carney was was a repairman on the droid ship. It was, Shut up. It was a, lot, a lot of weird shit going on. And it just—it was not funny, like bad, can't be funny. It was just like just terrible. It was terrible. Does, so, isn't there like I, a big I, sing along? Yeah, well, I, I didn't get to a lot of it, but there was there was a lot of bad stuff going on, and I remember thinking I, I had taken notes for the half hour, and then I just had to. I had to put the uh, I had to put the stop to the whole thing, and I think that was the year we did um, Brady's instead. Uh, no, it was the year we did Charlie Brown. Oh, we did Charlie Brown, yeah, right. we, which was pretty like, shitty. But that was funny. That was a funny episode. I remember it probably. Well, if I mean you and I were there, right? We did. It. We did it, yeah. Right. So yeah. But Jace Stu got involved. He was. He was speaking oh, more did, often. Did he have like one thing that he saved up and then really slammed it in there and then kind of like waited for our reaction? Oh, that episode of yeah. did he say something? Did he say something that was really awkward that no one got, but he didn't explain it? And then he kept hammering at home and then and then texted us about it like seven times the next day and then found evidence that he was right the next day after that. Except never no, the evidence doesn't really match. What he's announced is is a thing that no one thinks is a thing. It's a shame because the best I mean, I, I do. I genuinely love Jay Stu on the show. He's great. But the best part of him on the show is the next day or two when he's texting us defensively about the, the, the lines that didn't draw a big laughter. And yeah. he'll, he'll get after us for why why we were wrong for not laughing at this moment. Yeah, I get nothing for that. I get nothing for that. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't funny. Help but think. Yeah. No, literally no one got it. If someone had got it, you might get something for it, but you don't get anything for it because none of us got it. I'm, I'm already looking forward to this weekend, that this coming weekend when we have Jay Stu. We're going to have Jace do again. And when he follows up on it, it's great. It's amazing. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing something special for episode 300 with Jace do. And I don't want to give, I mean, it's very dear to his heart, which is why this is going to be a good one. It's something universally assumed to be awful that Jace do loves. 
can't wait. I know. It's great. I can't wait. Uh, okay, let's check out these voicemails. Hey, Brian, Ed. Um, you guys were talking about all games and great voice. You know, how they're not uh, very entertaining. Brian, I know you're an idea guy, so I've, I've, I've got a few uh, things on my mind that maybe you can run with it, but instead of you know the Pro Bowl, what we do is we take an NFL player and we, you know, or a few of them, we just put them in a club, put Baby Mama on one side of the club, and you know, put the uh, <laughs> the side piece on the other side of the club, and then we we let the player loose and we we see how they navigate the waters and if they can come out alive. <laughs> Um, you, you do that. That's interesting. So that's one example. I like it. The thing is you, you grab a player and you give him three Insta models and you let him decide which one doesn't have herpes. Or which one Five doesn't have a cock. They all have herpes. But Spoiler alert. You let him pick which one's the, the cleanest one that he can safely sex. Yeah, this is just a couple of ideas. Uh, I'm sure you can come up with a few more. Ed's an idea guy, too, so he can probably come up with a few ideas uh, as far as what we can do to make the Pro Bowl events or all-star games a little bit more entertaining. So I had this, th those are great ideas, by the way, they LSU. I love that. I had this idea a few years ago on the radio to for the all-star game. Instead of having a home run derby in the actual game, instead of one fence, they could, there could be multiple fences and, and each each you hit it over the first fence that's a one run home run you hit over the second fence two runs and so forth but there's also segments inside the fence so it's like kind of boxed in so you hit it into you hit it into one fence and one fenced area and it's like $100,000 bonus but a few feet to the left you hit it into another boxed in area Traded the Marlins. You're immediately, you immediately have to go change uniforms and you're now on the Marlins until your contract is up. You've described the MLB version of skee ball. Yes. Right? Yes. You can go for the big hitter. But yes. You might miss. Yes. It's like a skee ball style where there's, there's bonuses. There's a rock, there's a rock and jock element. Rock and jock also. style. Yeah. The four point shot. Stuff like that. I like it. I like it. You at maybe um, maybe you get you get awarded. You do something in the field. They award you an extra fielder for the next two innings. I don't know, or or innings four through seven only position players allowed to pitch. I got ideas. We could do all this stuff. Who says no? Who says no to this? It's so much better. So much more right. interesting. I mean, uh, I know Bill Simmons over the years has been harping on. He like, does this. Doing the things with the, the bottom seat of the playoffs. And they're, everybody. Yeah. And, and they're starting to consider it. And it's a great idea. No, the NBA is going to do this. They're going to reseed. So I that you don't. You, it's not necessary. Okay to be creative. Yes, I agree. Who cares if you piss off Bob Costas because he wants everything to be like yeah. it was when he was six. Right. When they didn't let black guys play. Yes, right. Yeah. That's right. The greatest generation when they played, right. when they were greatly having an advantage over everyone. Right. When when everyone was 5'9", 160. That's right. And they were pouring their motor, motor oil into the ground, but they were the greatest. Um, Lala must be psyched about Joe Burrow. 
I'm pretty psyched about Joe Burrow. That was a great speech. Yeah, it's amazing. Great speech. Um, although I and, and you know he was phenomenal this year. Although I have um, an issue with the fact that it's just a, a quarterback award now. Like it's yeah. just a quarterback award, and uh, the only times running backs have won is like Bama running backs, and they Mark Ingram didn't deserve it. But anyway. Um, I I do think it's absurd how they allow sports writers to still have a vote when somebody didn't have him in the top three, like because they need to they need to be different. And I just hate when guys there's you know certain Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, but some people are like, no, nope, only Babe Ruth gets in on for the first ballot. Yeah, no, Nolan Ryan wasn't a unanimous. That's Hall of Famer. It's stupid. Right? I just hate, I hate, sports writers are the most bitter guys on earth. There, there are some great ones, oh, but. Oh, that one year that, that Sha- Shaquille O'Neal was like the most dominant anybody's ever been. And he won the MVP except for one Fred Hickman voted for mm-hmm. Allen Iverson. Like every single, there was one vote. Am I, am I off? Was Fred Hickman, did he have a bit of a, a Tim Allen kind of past? Oh, did he? <laughs> I don't know. I, that sounds kind of familiar. It was either Fred Hickman or his partner, uh, like sports partner. Nick, the guy with the great hair that died. Yeah, I think it was Hickman who. Uh, well, I'm Googling it. Yeah, I'm going to see if he had some problems. You know who ended up having some problems and I think uh, eventually got his life back together was old Van Earl Wright. Remember Van Earl Wright? Uh, he, he seemed. Yeah. Headline news. Yes. I'm Van Alright. Yeah, so Van Earl Ella Abdel Nabi. Um he he was and I in retrospect, this stuff's real obvious, but Van Earl Wright was really hitting the sauce back then. He was sauced up like all the time. And I think he's now transitioned into a guy that like helps people get off the sauce. Um, let's see, Fred Hickman, early life, career, CNN, other, I don't see anything about him slinging yay. His demons, he, he, 1986. Oh. Drug rehab, cocaine. Oh, Fred Hickman. Wait, this has been scrubbed from, are you on his Wikipedia? I don't see this. No, it's not on Wikipedia. I was going to say. Wow. Hickman keeps talking about his drug. Oh, there's a Washington Post article where he's talking about his drug problem. Yeah. Yeah. Those early days. Likes to get after it. But, CNN. But he didn't, in he didn't rat out his suppliers to get a lighter sentence like, Tim, why won't no, they no, let no, me say no, the N-word? He had a oh, right. cocaine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was the 80s. 80s. It was the 80s. But, you know, where where he said, uh, he's his escape. He said, I had a neighbor in Atlanta who used cocaine on a social basis, and then it became a bit of a blur for me. So he, uh, yeah, he had some issues in the eighties. But anyway, he also had a sh- issue with voting because he had to be different. Yeah, he he, and look, Iverson had a great year, and Iverson was also an MVP. Maybe even the next year. Didn't Jordan only win like three MVPs? Yeah. 
Yep. Because, you know, because Magic or Larry Bird only had three, so we can't give him more. It's like, well, right. Michael Jordan was the best player. David Robinson, great player. But Jordan was better than David Robinson yeah, when he won the MVP. Same, they had to pass it around. So they had to give one to Barkley one year. They had to give one to Carl uh, Malone. Uh, Kobe. Yeah. I'm not the Carl biggest Malone. Kobe fan, but he was pretty dominant for a while. He only won one MVP. Yeah. Uh, nah, that, that's sports writers are yeah. very angry. Yeah. Even, I mean, even LeBron, LeBron's got four MVPs, I think. He'll probably get another one this year. He's playing so well. But which is amazing because he's 17 years in. But even in the years other guys have gotten MVPs, LeBron was still considered to be the best, most dominant player and have had better years. Right. But he's willed his teams. I mean, when he was playing with Wade, that was one thing. Right. Um, but those Cleveland teams, the land. What was he doing? It was it, just LeBron. Right. It's all by himself. Player city. Yeah. OK, let's do another uh, voice now. What's up, fam? Tully Tupas here. Uh oh, Telly. Christmas party. Oh no. Tonight, pretty drunk. Oh, kidding. So I'm gonna run back. Some shit that's been going on. Um, I've just letting you know I have a buddy who's a listener, who is, uh, and I'll, I'll keep him anonymous, but he's a guy that's sought help and won his battle with the bottle. And is doing great. And he reaches out to me sometimes and says, hey, does my man Telly need a higher power? Does he need help? Because I can help. And now here's Telly calling the show drunk again. Not not to bring it down. But people are worried about old Telly out there. He likes to get after it. He drinks Bud Light. And what's the one? Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. And, and he drinks Jägermeister, and that's a problem, and he gets drunk a lot. But it seems like he still manages to, he doesn't have, you know. The thing about Jägermeister is. It's disgusting. Just but so he, he must have had an awful night of vomiting because of Jägermeister, because yeah. everyone does. Yeah. And then you don't go back to it. How is he still there? It's crazy. I, I remember the last Jäger I ever had. I remember the last vomiting Jaeger yes. and being like, yes. you know what? This is not going to work for me ever again. It's like, it's like cough syrup. It's, oh, it's awful. Um, yeah, it's awful. And everyone's been sick on it at least once. And you don't go, it's, it's, you don't it's drink. You stop. Once your age starts with a three. Right. You're not, you're not drinking eggs. You're off the eggs. It's just, it's the rules. Okay. We're just joshing you here. Telly, let's see what you got to say. The girl from Arizona. Oh, he's given us an update on his love life. Remember, he had found the one. She was a lawyer, but then she bounced out to a she yoga. Yeah, she bounced out to a yoga retreat in Scottsdale. Turns out she was on um, opiates, bounced out to a yoga retreat, never came back. Now, he, I think he's given us an update on her because she was the one. Oh, also... She had a um, membership at a very prestigious country club in Colorado where Telly was looking at she might be the one because she can get me on. Right. I knew there was a second reason. Yeah, that's right. It's important. Okay. Let's get the update. That moved to Arizona. Moved to Arizona. Gone. She got a new guy. Oh, uh, because also remember, 
Telly's dick game is real weak. Remember, he was dating that one chick that the last sure. the last guy she banged, he he gave her such good dick, she ended up stroking out during the the session. She almost orgasmed herself into she a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, yes, she Billy squired, but it's a little more hetero than old Billy. And that video Billy's career. So awful. And Telly was real worried about banging her because he's like, I'm not going to give this chick a stroke. And we determined Telly pretty weak dick game. (laughs) Now he's been now he's been cucked. We're really really shitting on Telly. Telly, we love. I love Telly. Uh, Now he's been cucked by some dude in Scottsdale. I met a girl from. Barcelona. I've seen pictures pictures of this chick, and I'm always like, "Hey, hit me with the fucking Instagram." Like, I need to. I need a full checkout of your new broad. Hit me in the DMs with her IG handle. See, this Telly, he likes to roll anonymous. Did he do the th? The correct pronunciation? Do you say Barcelona? Barcelona? Oh, I didn't. Know. Oh, hold on, let's rewind a little. Okay, it's, I'm not going to interrupt Telly. Well, I'll just we'll just review everything at the end. I feel like I'm bastardizing his call well from barcelona yeah he did it he did it oh i, I like just it. i just did I the like thing it. i said i wasn't gonna do okay i'm not gonna do it it's going to csu master's program language and culture whatever she's pretty cool <laughs> her last name's camacho and uh-huh. i like that because oh. i just call it camacho i can't pronounce her first name okay i have to interrupt again it's i don't feel like we're on we're if you can't pronounce her first name and you're just calling her by her last name i don't feel like we're really well are we saying i can't because it's a bad idea to give everyone her full name no i think he's saying that when he's with her he likes that she's called camacho because he can just call her camacho but she's not she's not on the fucking football team with you dude you gotta she's not she's not hector camacho right you you gotta make up either a pet name or just call her by her name or Babe or baby. Did he say what she's a uh, grad student? Yeah, he said in culture or something. CSU master's pro. I'm looking at the transcript. CSU master's program like it's in culture. So again, I'm trying to look up Camachos in the graduate program at CSU. Can you do that? I'm trying. I'm trying. Graduate student. You fucking Magnum PI over here. Well, are you, we've got, uh, we've got, oh, uh, no, interesting. I want deep, not math though, right? No culture. That could be anything. There's a Catalina Camacho. Well, he could pronounce Catalina. Yeah. They, yeah. They, the math department puts pictures on there, but it's not maths. He's not, let's check into math. seem like a maths. No, kinda. no. Okay, I'm gonna let him finish. Um, I fucked a 50 year old. (laughs) 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 I wasn't ready for that. Fucking telly. Wow. That almost makes up for the Howard the Duck thing. <laughs> oh, man. Like two weeks ago. And that's pretty much the best update I got. So, see you, boys. Thanks. Wow. 
I mean, it's a pretty good update. Gotta be honest. Yeah. I think it's great. I mean, someday in about seven years, six and a half years, I will be doing that. Yeah. But I'll, I'll be honest. I, I have yet to bang a 50 year old myself. Right. But I, I, I mean, I'm all for it. If, if, sure. if, if she looks good, if she's, she's, you know, if you're into it. Oh no. Sure. Like 50 is the new 40. There's hot, what? like chicks in their fifties oh, yeah. are hot. There's, they're hot 60 year olds these days. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? What Julie, Julianne Moore is like 59. She just passed, uh, who is it? Wilford Brimley. Well, the Brimley, no, no, but they said, oh, so somebody wants an offshoot. There's a great Twitter account that's the Brimley line. Like, Oh, yeah. Angela Lansbury, that's what it was. Yeah. The first season of Murder, She Wrote, uh, Julianne Moore is now older than Angela Lansbury was in that. That reminds which is, me. Which is tough to take. Before We have one more voicemail to get to, but before I forget, we had a big RIP last week. Last week that we failed to mention, and in, for this show, it's pretty important, and and we were remiss in our duty. Oh, Clayton from Benson. Nope, but that was a good one too. He's a good one, my guy. R.I.P. Philip McKeon. Oh yes, you f- former child actor, best known for his role on the CBS sitcom Alice. Howdy. Tommy. Died. He was only 55. Brother, brother of Joe Polnicek. Right. Nancy McKeon's older brother. No, younger brother. I don't know. I think he might be older. Older, older, older. brother. RIP. And I have a little story in my, I was probably like about 20, 21. Okay. I was dating this girl and she was from the San Bernardino area. She was like from near Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead. It's up in the mountains, mm-hmm. local mountains here. And I was with her and we were like back home in her hometown for some, I don't know, there was something going on. I remember there was like something where we had to be out in the streets. Something was happening in the streets, like a street fair or something. I can't remember. But the night ended up, we were at a bar and like the local bar or whatever. And I was talking to some guy and he's like, oh yeah. He goes, we get a couple, we got a couple local celebrities here. He's like, you know, you'll see, um. Once in a while, you'll see Shooter McGavin roll into the bar. And I'm like, whoa, that's fucking pretty cool. (laughs) And he's like, and also, sometimes you'll see Tommy from Alice come in here. And I go, (laughs) and I'm like, how the fuck, like, who would recognize Tommy from Alice? And he goes, oh, you will. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I swear to God, Ed. Does he have like feathered hair? 20 minutes later. I'm just sitting there and I'm doing that thing where I'm drinking. I'm standing up, but I got my back to the bar, like my elbows on the bar. Yeah. I'm standing there drinking my beer and I see a fucking guy walk in the door and I swear to God, I go, Oh my God, that's Tommy from Alice. And I, and I tap the guy and he's like, see, (laughs) that's him. And I mean, he just looked, you know, he didn't have the same haircut anymore or anything, but he has a very recognizable face. Even when you think you, yeah, it's the mouth. It's definitely the mouth. (laughs) So RIP sister, my sister lives in Boulder. She's lived there for a long time. Yeah. And she pre kids 
used to go out to the bars there and uh Brian Bonsal used to cause a lot of ruckus in the bars, <laughs> lots of arrests. <laughs> hey, little, little Andy from Family Ties. He was deal. Wasn't he dealing with something? Wasn't he? Uh... I think he has a lot of face and yeah. neck tattoos. I mean, he's, yes, he's really tried to fight back on being the cutesy kid, but like oh, he, an absolute mess. She used to see him around. <sighs> I think I remember he was in like a punk band or something. I think I remember the tattoos. Mm, I think, I think I remember seeing him on one of those, like, uh, where are they nows? And, uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate look. Uh, anyway, RIP Philip McKeon. Sorry that we uh, forgot to mention it last week. And also I definitely saw you in that one bar in Lake Arrowhead that one time. And I, I a hundred percent recognized you in one second. Uh, okay. One more voicemail. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm, Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa, too. Hey, uh, Tesla drivers uh, no. have officially uh, no. come. Did he do this already? Did he? What drivers? Tesla. Oh, he's still- He's done a Tesla one before, hasn't he? Because he, he works near where Tesla's headquarters are? Is right. That- yes, in Hawthorne. Hawthorne, right near Gardena. Also, you know who's from Hawthorne. I was right by there. Right near LAX. Year and a half ago. Most most famous uh, child of Hawthorne, Brian Wilson, along with his brothers Dennis and Carl from the Beach Boys. The d bags of freeway existence taking over for Mercedes drivers. Hey, both of you, Mercedes and Tesla. Oh, my God. Defer once in a while. It's not going to fucking kill you. You guys are total dickheads when you get behind a wheel of your luxury sled. Just because you're in a nice fucking ride oh my God. doesn't mean... He must have just had an encounter out there in his plumbing van. Somebody cut him off. Yeah, a Tesla guy. I don't... I mean, there's a lot of Teslas on the road. And they all... My main thing with them is they all have some whimsical um no opec vanity plate or like um four ohms or there's like some there's always like some kind of electric i saw one that said like plugged with like four g's in oh uh i know my, my sister-in-law has actually they have two I of course think, in her household yeah. but um but she's a lovely person and yeah. she she just drives a tesla there's no the the Tesla's not as bad as anybody that has a USC Trojans license plate frame. Flag. Yeah. Or the flag. Oh yeah, the flag, the stickers, all the above. That you can't let somebody into your lane. Okay. And if you uh, do No, I got it. We we got what you're saying. Yeah, fuck Tesla guys, it. fuck Mercedes. We get it. <laughs> we understand. Okay, thank you for everybody that reached out via the voicemail. Let's do a couple quick emails and we're going to talk Gremlins. Ballers. Do you think Bill Clinton should get a full pardon from his sex scandal? He was fined $90,000 and banned from presenting cases to the Supreme Court, among a few other items. After doing a little research, Bill Clinton married Hillary Clinton in 1975. Good year. That the sex scandal occurred between 1995 and 1997. That means Bill Clinton has not had oral sex for a minimum of 20 years. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> oh, I, I, 
He definitely isn't and has not gotten oral sex from Hillary in a long time. Pro, yeah, but he, he, you know, he was the governor. But that doesn't mean yeah. he hasn't gotten. I mean, he likes to remember, force it. He palled around with Epstein. Yeah, he likes he's, to force it. Yeah, he's 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 around. Uh, around four percent of women enjoy giving oral sex. I don't know where where are these numbers coming from. It's it's definitely higher than that in my experience. Um, I bet the statistic is like. Do women crave it? Yeah, yeah. It might be four percent crave giving it. Oh, I know some that do. Um, obviously, it's a high percentage of, of ones that like they they do it because it's yeah part of a relationship. But I I don't feel like this. It's a big it's, fulfilling it's thing for the woman. Gotta be more than four percent though. I I'd say like at least fifteen. Fifteen percent is a pretty low number, and there's lots like there's people that. You know, there's higher percentages of people that crave super weird sex stuff <laughs> and just oral sex. That's like just one of the fucking main couple. Right. That's uh, the second option. Right. Uh, obviously, Hillary Clinton does not have sexual relations with her mouth. <laughs> so no, when, no mouth stuff from Hillary. I've got to agree with that. So when Monica came around, here is the 1% of the 4%. A woman who loved oral sex and was very good at it. She also was a fun person who didn't mind being naughty. No real man can turn that down. I agree. So you factor 20 years of marriage or more, then multiply that by married to Hillary Clinton. This equals misery. Bill Clinton got what he needed. This was better late than never, in my opinion. What are your thoughts? As always, thanks for your service. Baller Lifestyle Fan 1. This is the same guy from last week who was asking this, about donkeys. And, and but this sounds this sounds a little more lucid. than A lot more. The, the last one was stream of consciousness, of like James Joyce on heroin kind of stuff. Um, the thing with Bill Clinton is his behavior is aging very poorly at a rapid rate. Totally. Yeah. He's a real piece of shit. Um, he's a real piece of shit. And the whole, the impeachment, it, it, it was, it was because, you know, the other side is always looking for something and he gave it to him by be, I mean, there, there are many million things that lined up, but he gave the other side openings by being a real shit with his dick and lying. Yeah. You know, nobody in their right mind really gave a shit about him cheating on his wife, except for Hillary. That's, you know, that's something within the couple, but he, he, he the problem when, when guys fuck around is compromising themselves that they can, they can be blackmailed. They can be that's right. coerced into doing things. That's the problem. That's why you can't have a dirty dick. That's right. And expect expect everything's fine when you're a politician. You get compromised that way. You got to you got to wait till you're out of the White House to do your fucking. But, you know, I, and I'm t I'm tired of everybody being like trying to compare Trump and Clinton. I mean, it's just it's it's all about giving somebody an opportunity to fuck with you and they they both in, in and it's not I'm not saying equal size, but Clinton allowed himself to be put in bad situations, and the more we know about him, the more we realize his his palling around with Epstein. Like he's he's a piece of shit. But 
Trump just he he's committed so many uh, impeachable offenses that, yeah, the other side doesn't like him. And he's he's a pretty corrupt dude. So, like, that's where it goes. But Clinton, Clinton, I don't I don't think we need to think favorably about Clinton. Oh, he definitely was, not. He was a, he was a, bad he was a real piece of shit. And, and his crime bill and everything. I mean, there's that's you know, a- the politics of him is another thing. But like. Just as a guy, he's pretty fucking terrible, dude. I agree. And it's almost to his benefit that nobody really talks about like the real shitty things he did as a fucking uh, leader of the country. The Telecommunications Act, that really fucked everything up. You know, you know how there's only one fucking cable company in where you live? That's because of Bill fucking Clinton. And you know how you can't just buy the channels you want? You got to buy tiers of shit from that shitty one cable company that you're allowed to subscribe from. That's because of Bill Clinton, the crime bill. You, there's a, there was like 200,000 people in prison when he took office. There's 2 million Americans in prison right now. Um, but yep. make no mistake about it. If Barrio had given the slightest of openings, he would have been impeached. Oh, of course. A fucking black guy, of course, and also going against middle the, name the Hussein Tea, tea yep. Party, of course. People like he—he would have been impeached if he could have. Yeah, and they just didn't. They couldn't find something even remotely impeachable. If wearing a tan suit was an impeachable offense, it was getting close. Yeah, it was getting of close. course, of course, or using Dijon on a burger, and you Dijon on a burger is delicious. I'll put a little Dijon on there. You know what else is good on there? A one. Put a little A1 on that burger. You'll thank me I, later. I don't like too much, though. It's a little. be strong. You put too much. little. I'm not saying dr- douse the thing. I'm saying put a dab, take a spoon, put a dab of Dijon, and then just pour a little A1 on top of that, and then schmear it. You'll thank me later. I a little horseradish on my dog. Oh, it's fantastic. Delicious. Oh, uh, okay, another email. Ballers. My mother-in-law continually crosses boundaries, i.e. buying kids unwanted clothes, leaving boxes of random items in my house without my knowledge, and lately being outright combative. Should I get divorced or leave the country? Greg, formerly of Coors Light, is the end-all be-all of Beers area of Illinois. (laughs) So that's like Western Illinois. (laughs) Um, That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a... it's tough, Mother, tough. Mother-in-laws yeah. are They're a tough. real tricky yeah. thing. Not ideal. Because we all kind of walk into it. Yep. And you hear the warnings. You see every bad sitcom yep. for the last 50 years talks about the mother-in-law thing. But yep. it's a thing for a reason. <laughs> where, yep. where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. All it's of those tough, things. It's a tough, it's a tough situation. Tough gig. Hundred percent. You're gonna be you're gonna be walking on eggshells with this situation for the rest of your relationship. One hopes that you can that you have a partner that's willing to help out, or at least can see yeah. your angle, empathize, be on your side. Totally. Uh, okay. So no, don't get divorced or leave the country. Ballers. Thanks for the advice on how to handle my gift-giving neighbor. For those who don't remember, this was maybe two weeks ago. This gentleman sent us an email where he's, his, his neighbors like put thank you notes under the door 
Yeah, like really creeping up. Yeah, every and little interaction, and they act like his dog is their fucking dog. And there's all sorts. They give they give his kid. They know his kid by name and give his kid random gifts and shit. And it's weird. Thanks for and the. It's like a ten unit building. So yeah, like you right. Can't, you can't, can't avoid them. Thanks for the advice on how to handle my gift giving neighbor. I've decided to be cordial and thank them in person. Fancy's idea to move to move is the only real solution though. And while I love the idea of a gift registry, I just want nothing to do with them. My one-year-old continues to be the source of trouble though. My wife was railing against dinosaurs and why kids are forced to learn and love them. An idea I can sort of get behind. Stegosaurus is a rough word for me to have occupying my brain at 43 as useless now as it was in the single digits. Anyway, with some probing, I've come to learn that my wife might not fully believe that dinosaurs existed. She's Carl Everett. And that the whole thing is a conspiracy theory. She's a college-educated woman an executive at one of these tech unicorns, so empirically not a dumb. We have another kid on the way in March. Do I have grounds for a divorce? Or am I stuck with this Luddite as a life partner? <laughs> so, I, I will step in. This is a very good friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> He's, we're going to let him remain anonymous. Keep his name, right, we're going to keep his name out of it. He's a very good friend of mine. And I have to say, his wife is awesome. Yeah. And like, like you said, she's intelligent. And it is so jarring that she is on a she's a a, a dinosaur truther. Like she's she's allowed herself to be part of the Carl Everett fringe thinking kind of people. Yeah. I don't. He said he there's some level of belief. He said if, if if she believes that they created the bones, he'd already have filed divorce papers. But he she just believes like they're 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 emphasizing. I don't know. It's it's a bad situation. I mean, that is what they believe. In the they do believe in the the that the bones are placed there to make us think that dinosaurs were real. It is. What's the, what's the end game? What's the end game? It's like with all conspiracies. Like where? What's the point? Why would why would they be? Now I will say this. And often I've I've uh, often recommended this book on this show, Bill Bryson's A Short History of Nearly Everything. And in that book, I learned that the fossil record not only are there vast expanses in between. The, the fossils that we found, I mean, hundreds of thousands of years with no fossil evidence available in between the fossils that we do have. They have discovered very few dinosaur bones in the world there. I mean, they have they definitely have discovered dinosaur bones, but not really very many intact full skeletons. Like when you see a dinosaur and a uh, dinosaur skeleton in a natural history history museum, like 80 percent of it is. Yeah, it's like one or two bones that they found and then they made the rest of it. And only just now are they learning that they they're starting to believe that dinosaurs were feathered. 
This is this is brand new evidence. So we we don't know a lot about dinosaurs, but we do know. Right, like read up on Mary Leakey and and some of these right. these digs that they they found real stuff. Yes, they didn't find created stuff. Yes, I mean it's it's one of those one. It's this is no building seven. Like we're not, there's no, there's no real, it's, there's no curiosity of dinosaurs. Yes or no. Like, yes, dinosaurs, but we don't know a lot about them other than they were around for a while. And the Flintstone scenario was not very realistic. No, we didn't. We like, we didn't hang out with them. We didn't, we didn't chill with the sores. Yeah, I gotta think the the dinosaur that played Fred Flintstone's toilet, he would have <laughs> at some point. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, the garbage disposal. Like shrugging and be like, it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, okay, thank you for everybody that reached out. Great emails, great voicemails. Uh, it's time we got to talk about gremlins. Fantastic 1984 film. Um, hold on. I'll get all the details here from the Wikipedia page. Uh, a 1984 comedy horror film. And this is one of those things where it's, uh, where it's this movie, as you watch it, you don't, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it's a comedy because it's not a comedy. And the old jack of all trades, master of none yeah, kind of thing. It doesn't know it's if it's not. a horror, but it's not really. Um, written by Chris Columbus and directed by Joe Dante, the story follows a young man who rece- receives a strange creature called a mogwai as a pet. And I'll be honest, this mogwai is terrifying. Like it is, I don't understand how it just really wasn't. Scary. It's like a rodent that can kind of talk. The one thing th- throughout the movie, though. So, well, first of all, it all hinges. I, in the early to mid 80s, we were so fascinated with Chinatown. Like it yeah. was this crazy, kooky place. It's a pretty, it's a pr- not a big deal today. But back then, so many movies had some element of. Oh, what's going on in Chinatown? It was just a place where a lot of Chinese people lived. It's where the it's where the good Chinese food is. It's where you go to get some yeah. but, good dim sum. But he gets he gets his mogwai. The dad gets the mogwai in Chinatown, and for the rest of the movie, there is like a curiosity, but nobody's freaking out that there's a, a species, a creature that nobody's ever seen before. It's really weird. Like, oh, that, check, check out my. Why? And nobody's like screaming or they're just like, oh, wow. Well, look at that thing. No, everybody's just fine with it. If somebody just brought a creature you've never heard of, you would freak the fuck out. Yeah, agree. Uh, the story follows a young man who receives this strange creature, which spawns other creatures who transform into small, destructive, evil monsters. And we're going to talk about that because the first spawning these there were some monsters appeared in the movie, namely the people, because th- that should have been a tell at that point. But instead, they thought they could make money off it. Um, it draws on legends of folklorist, 
folkloric, mischievous creatures that caused malfunctions, quote, gremlins in England's Royal Air Force going back to World War II. The film stars Zach Galligan. Yeah, yeah. And Phoebe Cates, babe. Oh, my God. She's so beautiful. Uh, With Howie Mandel providing the voice of Gizmo. The main Mogwai character, uh, Steven Spielberg, was executive producer. Um, it was it. Oh, it was a big success. It was followed by uh, a sequel, Gremlins Two: The New Batch, released in 1990. Unlike the more satirical tone of the sequel, Gremlins opts for a more black comedy. Balanced against a Christmas time setting, both films were the center of large merchandising campaigns. Obviously, um, the plot is unimportant. The Gremlins was produced at a time when combining horror and comedy was becoming increasingly popular. According to Professor Noel Carroll, uh, Ghostbusters released the same weekend as Gremlins. Uh, and the comic strip, The Far Side, Ghostbusters was was like a very funny movie with proven comedic talent. Yeah, yes, that's for sure. Not even close. Really funny in this. Imagine Judge these. Reinhold was probably the most funny person on the cast. Imagine these coming out the same weekend. Um, Spielberg chose Joe Dante direct to direct because of exp- his experience with horror comedy he had previously directed the howling um he had experienced a lull in his career though so this is kind of like a last chance he did some twilight zone um phil oh phoebe cates was cast as kate billy's girlfriend despite concerns that she was known for playing more risque parts such as linda barrett in fast times at ridgemont high Spielberg urged the casting of the relatively unknown Zach Galligan as Billy because he saw chemistry between Galligan and Kate's during auditions. Galligan late happened in auditions. Did you see any chemistry? No, this Galligan was so bad. He's he's in, in a bad movie. He was one of the worst parts of it. Um, Galligan later compared himself to Billy saying he was a geeky kid and that being in the film was really kind of a dream given what I get to do, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Uh, many of the supporting and actors, actors and actresses were better known. We'll talk about that because somebody that we know pops up a couple people. Um, let's check out the trailer. To your story about McKeon. What's that? Oh, Somebody who's related to your story about McKeon. Is that true? Comes into play. Is Nancy, Mc, is Nancy McKeon in this movie? No. It's a, it's a more indirect, but we'll oh. get to it when oh. we get to it. Okay, let's check out the trailer. Steven Spielberg presents Gremlins. Billy Pelser has a nice home. Every time they walk in, one of these swords falls off the fucking wall. How about you put a screw in there? It seems like an easy fix. I think after like one or two sword falls, first of all, why do you have swords hanging by the door? We'll get to that because the dad's a real piece of shit. The dad's the worst part of the movie. Hoyt Axton. Um, yeah, it's, the sword falls off the wall every time they walk in. So it's a, it's a great comedic element that was the, the comedy part of the, yeah, it's the, the black funniest movie. funniest part of the movie Billy? 
They terrorize the town. So I don't... I remember when Gremlins came out, and I definitely didn't see it when it came out. And I saw it when I first got a VCR. Yeah. And I, I, I remember being like feeling like I was missing out on a phenomenon because everyone had seen it, and it was a big fucking hit. And I remember people were talking about it. There was fucking toys. It was a thing. And I felt like I was missing out. And now having sat through and watched it, I feel so relieved. I missed nothing. I, I am so happy that I haven't had to have any of this shit in my brain for the last 35 years, uh, because it's a real piece of shit. Gremlins rotten tomato score, Ed 84%. Whoa. Certified fresh. 78% with the critics or with the audience. Um, it's a wacky, satirical spectacle of chaos. What? A horror comedy about cute little Christmas toy pets who turn into murderous monsters wreaking havoc on a Norman Rockwellian time. Well, that's not even a review. That's just his description. <laughs> A 1984 creature feature in which a Capra-esque idol is besieged by ravening beasties. Those aren't even words. <laughs> um, if you grew up in the 80s and remember a simpler time without cell phones or you want to introduce your kids to the magic of 1980s films, then Gremlins is a great place to start. Um, these people are all monsters. The film showcases Dante's two cinematic loves, 1950s era sci-fi horror and Looney Tunes. The forms merge together to create a cautionary tale of Christmas gifts gone awry. And that is, that's really the point, right, Ed? It's, it's a big statement on 
consumerism and Christmas, right? Yes. It's he gets a gift and it's uh and it's the gift fucks up everything in the town. Um oh, where's my notes? I made notes on this. Um it's so the movie starts out we're talking about Chinatown. The dad is like in a he's like in one of these like loser like get rich quick types. Where, he is the worst. Yeah. A bigger, I mean, I guess we'll see over the over course of time. He He's terrible at everything, and he's the sole breadwinner? Or, I, I'm, I'm still confused. The the main character. Billy. He, he, Billy, he's, he's like 20? He's out of high school, right? That well, was he, former? Yeah, he can drink at a bar. I think they might have. 18, 18 back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could be. So well, I'm just confused. He's he's the one paying all the bills, right? Because the dad that, doesn't. That's what they say, that he's basically supporting the family on his bank teller's salary. Fucking dad. And the, the worst. The dad's an inventor. And like his big. Everything inv- is crap. His big invention is basically like your travel, your toiletries bag. Yeah. But all the things from your toiletries bag glued to a brick. So they're much more difficult to to use to make brushing your teeth. Very difficult and heavy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this, you know what this toothbrush needs a cinder block attached to it. I'm guessing neither the mom nor Billy were too bummed out when dad had to leave town for a convention. No, no, they were, they, they were not. And they're trying to use like, they have all his inventions in the kitchen and he so he's seems like his um, wheelhouse is kitchen items. So he's got like an egg cracker thing that doesn't work, and they they're tr- they're trying to fresh squeeze orange juice every morning with his machine. It makes a huge mess. One, but one orange. I mean, the the good thing about that machine is you put one orange in there, and then it it kicks out like twenty five oranges worth of juice squirting everywhere. Uh, yeah, it was kind of weird. And then they're. He had basically invented the Keurig well back in the 80s, but it would just but it would just put out like mud. I feel like if you just put a little more water in it. Disgusting. Yeah, it looked kind of gross. Uh, but he's out like in I thought he was in another country, but it turns out he was just like in the Chinatown area of wherever this town is that they live. It's very smoky. Yeah. And, yeah. And he goes into a store. He gets led like there's like a short round type character that leads him into a store. And he's like, oh, this is my grandpa's store. And then the grandpa, he's the, the same Asian guy that plays the Asian guy in everything in the 80s. He must have been in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Right? For, for Yeah, for sure. Um, he But it's so in hindsight. It is so racist what we're looking yeah. at. Like they're. No, yeah, he's sm- isn't he smoking like opium? Yes, he's got an opium pipe. <laughs> he's got one like cataract eye. Even the dude who run the op- ran the opium den in the Nick was less yeah <laughs> uh, stereotypical yes. opium den Chinese dude than this guy. Uh, let me see, Key Luke, grandfather. AKA Mr. Wing. Also, he's called Mr. Wing. Um, he was, oh, this is, oh, wait, hold on. He, let's see what, what jobs he, oh, he's on Magnum. 
did a stint on Matt. Oh, he did all the shows in the eighties. Anytime they need an Asian guy, Remington Steele, Tanaka, Brett Maverick, Lou Sung, Mash. Oh, he played three different characters on Mash. <laughs> of course he did. Charlie's Angels. Thundar the Barbarian, Battle of the Planets, I mean, Vegas, Hunter, Quincy, you name it. Kung Fu. Oh, he was big. He was the main guy. He was like the master on Kung Fu, Master Po. Uh, By the way, David Carradine, not Asian. Right. He just loved being Asian. (laughs) Not, 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 I know, like I haven't seen his DNA in me, 23 and me. But the dude had little to no Asian blood whatsoever, but he would he was going around like with uh, batakas and like samurai swords and in robes because he played an Asian character. Why did he even play? Why didn't they just get an Asian guy? Very it weird. Would have been an easy fix there. Right. Uh, Hawaii Five O. this guy was on. Was he in the Big Valley? MacGyver. All of them. He was on all of them. Night, night. He played two roles on Night Court. Yep. The A Team. Also, Grandfather Oh, Miami Vice. Trapper John M.D. Golden Girls. They had an episode where an Asian moved into the community. Kung Fu the movie. When those 50 year old ladies were put in an elderly village. I like that he's. I believe he's Chinese. What was his name? Key Luke, well, it's kind of... Oh, R.I.P. died in 1991. How fucking old is this guy? Born 1904. Um, well, see, he was a legit person. Yeah. Um, Dead Heat, Friday the 13th, the series. Oh, Sidekicks. That was the one where that little kid who was like a ninja that was in like movies. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he did all those things. He plays the Asian guy. He's smoking a fucking opium pipe in 1984. And then the dad's like shopping in the shop. And he, and then he tries to fucking, he tries to hard close him on his bathroom buddy thing. He's like, you know what? This store's missing. You need this fucking brick with a, with a razor attached to it that shoots uh toothpaste in your eye. Um, But then he's like, the kid like shows him, hey, he's like, hey, I got this thing. And the dad is like, I need to buy this. This is exactly what I've been looking for. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a life form that no, no one knew existed. Like I've been looking for this. He was, he was considered for the role of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hoyt Aston? Alec Guinness got it. I heard they had to give Alec Guinness like a piece of the profits to get him to do that movie. Yeah, and apparently he was a miserable piece of shit on the movie. Yeah. He hated it and just thought it was all dumb. And that was his biggest role but ever. He, yeah, he, you know he won an Oscar, and but he's getting like two percent of the franchise, like in perpetuity. Like his Alec Guinness's fucking offspring are just bathing in hundred dollar bills right now. <laughs> um, yeah. and but then this is a weird thing that you see a lot of movies. The, um, the Asian dude's like, uh, I cannot sell him at any price. Okay. Why the fuck is he on display in your store where things are for sale? He's on the shelf. He's not hidden in the back. You can't sell him. He's fucking for sale at the store. Very weird. 
eventually they they settle on a deal, right? And then, but then they give him the rules. I feel like the rules, the kid sells him to the to Hoyt Axton behind the back of the Asian guy. Yeah, he's strolling around. We, I mean, smoking opium. He cannot be yeah. on top of every customer. No, no, he can't. And so, but and by the way, it, the kid, the kid, is played by an actor named John Louis. And the name that they give this uh, oh, no. this Asian boy. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Oh, his name, his character's name is... Chinese boy. Chinese boy. <laughs> it could, hey, you might remember me in such roles as Chinese they boy. Couldn't even come up, they couldn't even come up with a name for it. Like, even if they... didn't even bother. Even if they don't call you the name in the movie, they can still give you a name, give the character a name. Right, you yeah. gave Mr. Wing a right. name. No one said his he's name. He's just Chinese boy. Yeah. Uh, so he's the, oh, then they sell him to him. Then they give him the rules, right? So, and this is important, like keep him out of sunlight. Difficult, not impossible. Don't get it wet. Okay. Wait, I'm going to, you're, you're selling me an animal and telling me that I can't wash it. Right. It's just going to stink. It's going to be like a stinky, gross, you know, like dogs need baths. They need, everything needs to bathe somehow. So that that's a kind of a deal breaker right there, obviously. But then the third one, and this is, I feel like some clarification would be needed here. Because they said, they said, no third rule. No feeding after midnight. Well, what, well, what, time, what time zone? zone? What time zone? And then also... When does the no feeding after midnight end and then the feeding window begin? Because technically everything begin? is after midnight. Right. It's after midnight right now until it's exactly midnight. Then it's actually midnight. Now, what's worse? The plot of this, the plot point of this movie, no feeding after midnight or the um, horrible Eric Clapton song after midnight. <laughs> that, <laughs> Nothing's worse than Clapton. <laughs> that he sold to the Michelob commercial. And so we had to hear after midnight on that Michelob commercial all those Anytime times. Anytime you watch sports from the years like 1987 to 1991, you heard that dumb song. Horrible song. Um, then, so then they, um, he brings him home, like they get him and then they do like a big sweeping shot. The, I don't, I didn't look at the, what the budget for this movie was, but it couldn't have been very much. It was a big hit. It made a lot of money, but the budget couldn't have been much because they used the Back to the Future set. Right. It's Hill Valley. It's, it's Hill. Covered in snow. Yeah. There's the clock building. There's the, the yeah, diner. The, the peeping Tom uh, tree. Street. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. Um, I, I will give one thing in its favor. I thought the special effects or whatever were pretty solid given the year. They used the puppets. Oh, the the puppet animation was dog shit. Well, I was I think I, compared to what was going on back then. I thought it was it was uh, I was expecting as I was watching this because I was thinking, yeah. man, everything is so bad. But I thought some of the um, puppets dying and stuff it, that looked better than I expected it to be. Uh, I well, expected to see strings and that well, kind of when stuff. Stripe got his face melted was pretty good. Although, but yeah. also like a little heavy for a kids movie. It was very Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ark of the Covenant esque. 
Um, but it, most of them were just like hand up their ass, like regular old puppets. Um, especially that gizmo, what a piece of shit he was. Uh, so they're using the back to the future set. And then, so then this guy's going to work at the bank and the bank's right there on the corner, uh, where the clock tower was. And he's a bring his dog to work guy, which was not, which is very revolutionary for the eighties. Right. There's no, you would have loved Miami Marlins games. Right. Yes. Yeah. But like back in the (laughs) eighties, yo, he's a bank teller. Why is his dog? (laughs) Yeah. What? It's not like he's got a stay at home mom. Yeah, it's not like he owns his own. To bring his dog to the fucking bank. It's not like he owns his own travel agency. And also, this guy's not like I know that the global warming, uh, climate change was not like on the tip of people's tongues back in the eighties. But he he goes out, but to go to work, and he and his Volkswagen Beetle won't start. And he's like, "All right, well, I better just walk. I don't want to be late." And then he just walks right over to work. What what the fuck are you driving for in the first place, guy? It takes him like three minutes yeah. to get there. It's he not even snowed. worth looking for parking. It took him three minutes in snow to get there. And also, he's got a neighbor, and this guy pops up in the movie. Mister Futterman pops oh, up. Huge racist, this dude. <laughs> yeah, he why he drives a tractor? Like it's just. His regular mode of transportation is yeah, a tractor. They don't, they don't live in a, a, a rural community. It's no. Suburbia. No, they live in Hill Valley, California, just like the fucking, just like uh, Michael J. Fox, Marty McFly. Yeah, McFly. Um, also working at his job is Phoebe Cates. She's there with her fucking bangs, her banging body, her just looking beautiful, look being charming as all hell. I mean, I really feel like we did not give Phoebe Cates enough to do in the 1980s because she's so delightful. Um, we, I, despite her being iconic, of course, for mostly for her role in. Yes. I can never remember the name. Fast times at Ridgemont high, um, where she displays her beautiful breasts. Uh, she is, I know I'm biased, but she, she has way more charisma than than the amount of lines she gets in this. Oh yeah, she is. She's the she's only good, good thing in this movie. Yes, yeah, and even in the scene, that's probably the longest monologue of her career, and she nails it despite the fact that it's written the, by someone who's crazy. Yeah, that, that it's the the content <laughs> of of the script is absurd. Um. So, and then we learned, like in all small towns, there's some um real bitch landowner that's like trying that Mrs. Deagle. Yeah. There's some, some ladies like I've taken in some extra sewing, but we're going to be a couple days late on the rent. And she's like, get fucked, bitch. Where's my money? Here is your, uh, McKeon connection. Oh, that's their mother. McKeon was on the show. Alice. Yeah. Philip McKeon. This woman was on the show. Alice. What? Kiss my Shut up. Grits. That was Flo. This is Flo. Shut up. Yes. Mrs. Flo kiss my grits. Mrs. Daigle. Polly Holiday. Holy shit, you're right. That's Flo, Ed. Yeah, buddy. Wow. I, that was my favorite uh, uh, discovery when watching it a couple days ago. Uh, well, I got one for you, too, but you probably noticed it. We'll, we'll get to that at some point. Yeah, I think I think we're talking about the science teacher. Uh, no, oh no, no, but I was, I couldn't place him, but there's one more. 
Uh, and then, so then he's working at the bank and, and judge Reinhold pops up and you think he's like going to be like a heavy douche for the movie. He's like, I'm 23. I'm vice president. I'm going to, I'm going to be running the bank when I'm 25. Suck my dick. Make me a martini. And you're like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. And also he's got one of those coat. You can tell he's rich because he's got one of those, um, like wool trench coats, but it's got the big fur lapel. Yeah. Like the only a rich guy, only like a guy in the NFL or a real rich douche with a, with a, um, fedora would have this kind of jacket and he's wearing that and he's, he's a real asshole and, um, miss and, and, uh, Billy's dog attacks Mrs. Daigle in the bank and um and oh, the bank manager is uh one of the grandparents in 16 candles the guy who like who goes oh look she has boobies yes right that is him yes that's and, the donger's handler right guy. and then um the judge Reinhold's like Billy you putts which I don't like is that the best they could do yeah well it was probably written by a 68 year old Jewish man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so uh, we're, we're learning about gizmo. He's, he, by the way, yeah. By the way, when, when he meets Reinhold, I think that's when he first meets him at the bar where he's wearing the fur collar, yep. uh, camel hair yeah. job. Yeah. He's in a bar drawing like cartoons. Oh, he's a, he's, he's a comic book artist. In his spare but time, he's just in a bar by himself drawing comics. Yeah, yeah. We used to get those like um, where I in the town I grew up in, Costa Mesa, California, where like you'd be drinking at a bar, and some you know it's like quasi homeless woman would come into the bar with like a pencil and paper, and then she'd be like, just start drawing a picture of you. And tried it, and then she'd draw like a caricature that you didn't ask for, oh, no. and then she'd want, then she'd expect you to give her money for it, and then if, then you felt kind of bad, and you would give her like three bucks or whatever for the stupid caricature that you didn't want, and then you just leave it on the table. Do you think it was that kind of thing that he was doing? <laughs> yeah, he in case anybody wanted a picture of a fucking dragon or whatever he was doing. Right. It could be. Could be because bank tellers don't make enough to no. to afford a nice house that he lived in. No, that's a minimum wage gig. That's a that's um, a stepping stone job. That's where what you do while you're in college. And uh yeah, I don't I don't know. I I lost my train of thought, but uh yeah. it's it's a bad the whole thing is a bad scene. And so Phoebe Cates, right, she's working two jobs. He's got the one job, but she's at the bank and then she's the server at the at the bar. Yeah, was she like is she a bartender? Is she a waitress? Yeah, it's, it's both. Because later in the movie, she's serving drinks to the gremlins. Who, right. For some reason, they can give her orders. They're and, like sentient, where they know how to smoke and drink and stuff. Yeah. I don't. know. That was confusing. I didn't. I didn't get a real good explanation. And then, but then, who pops up? But um, child star Corey Feldman. Yeah, I had no idea Feldman was in this. No, thing. I was stunned to see him. And then it was a weird thing because he wasn't related to Billy or anything, but he was upstairs with him in his and he attic. Much younger. much younger. He was in his attic bedroom, just alone. And I don't like, and maybe we're just more aware these days, but 
you, you always want to make sure you're not like alone in an enclosed space with a kid because you, ne- you don't want to be accused of anything. Up. Yeah, right. So you're always just open in public. You're so not a guy, who, a guy who works at the bank, has a professional job at yep. a bank, is hanging out with a 10-year-old boy hey, that hey, is not his brother. Yeah, hey, kid, come up to my attic bedroom and let me show Close you my, my, you. my cute pet and the drawings I've been doing. It was a little weird. Um, so they, they, uh, they completely ignore the no water rule and, um, Gizmo gets wet and starts birthing, um, smaller. They like pop out of his back. Out of his back. It was disgusting. I was making that uh, popping noise. It was gross. uh, It was so gross. And at that point, like the movie should end there because, Billy should just get a shovel and just fucking smash to that's death right. everything that's alive in his room at that point. It, it, it birthed smaller gizmos from its back. Furry gizmos popped out of its back. <clears throat> Disgusting. Um, but Corey Feldman's pretty entertained by it. And the old man... Is Feldman like a... Um isn't he like a Christmas tree salesman yeah, or something? Yeah, he has to wear a suit. He has to dress as a Christmas tree to sell Christmas trees, which is kind of weird. Um. Anyway, they... Um, oh, and I'm just... Yeah. Uh, I, I kept the movie on my DVR so I could just have it on in the background. He's He's getting changed while Corey Feldman's in the room. He's shirtless at one point. No, he he comes in and immediately takes off his shirt. And this is a real TV thing. He takes off his shirt and then puts on another shirt. What? What? Like, Let's go. You just, you were wearing a shirt. You've taken off your shirt. Now you're wearing another shirt. It's a strange turn of events there. It's almost like he wanted to show, and he was very, he was very like, he was in good shape. I can see why they picked him. He's a handsome kid. They, he takes off his shirt, puts on puts on another shirt. It's almost like he wants to just show his body. Corey. Yeah, check out my abs, Corey, 10-year-old Corey Feldman. Yes, it's a little... Pre-Goonies, pre-Goonies Corey Feldman. It's a little um, homoerotic, I have to say. Um, so, oh, so then the, then the dad, who's a real piece of shit, comes up and and he's like, what happened? And, uh, and um, Billy's like, I don't know. They just got a little bit of water. They just got a little bit of water on them. Well, that's the fucking number There's two rule. There's three rules. There's yeah. three rules. Yes. That's the second one. I mean, he's just completely fine with ignoring the second rule. And now we see what happens. But then the. Doesn't he say something like, oh, I bet a lot of people would love to have some of these. That's what the dad says. Yeah. The dad's like. Because he's trying to monetize He sees it. an opportunity. He's like, oh, I could sell these fuckers. Not a bad idea, right? Well, um. Then they're, oh, Mr. Futterman. He tries to murder the dog. The, the the dog is like hung up by Christmas lights. Right. So does like one of them, does one of the, one, one of the gizmos is like bad or something, right? They're, or they're mischievous. They're not chill like original I think, gizmo. I think the first one becomes the leader of the bad guys, yeah, right? Yeah. Stripe. Stripe. But that's after, that's after they molt, which was also disgusting. It was really gross. Um, oh, so then the, um, so 
we learn foreshadowing that Phoebe Cates, babe, she hates Christmas, but we don't know why. She's like, fuck Christmas. Yeah, I'm not into Christmas. Go fuck yourself. But she definitely wants to fuck this Billy guy. And they give one of the new gizmos to the science teacher. Now, I recognize the science teacher. And oh, you're going to kick yourself. Okay, well, there's two. I have two guesses. Okay, go. Cool. But it's the only black guy in the movie, first of all. Right, right. And at first, I'm like, is that Michael Winslow? And then, but then I'm like, no, that's not Michael Winslow. Although I did read somewhere in the notes, Michael Winslow provided a lot of the, the, uh, voice talents. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It was the eighties and they needed to make strange sounds. Yes. There's only my, there's only one Michael Winslow. And, but then I look, kind of looked at him and I wasn't sure, but I thought he might've been the guy that was the cop in the blues brothers. And then was also Johnny Depp's sergeant in 21 jump street. I feel like his name was like Steven Fulton or something. No, that, that guy is, um, I think a taller dude. Oh, okay. Well then that's the two black guys I've heard this of guy getting walked in while getting a blow job by Herc. This is mayor Clarence Royce. Shut up. Yeah. No. Yeah. Whoa, that was so, oh, it is. I'm looking at a picture of my notes. He looks great. I mean, Clarence Royce doesn't look. Black don't crack. I mean, he he looks kind of the same. He's Clarence Royce. FYI, also appearing on the new season, season four of Fargo, debuting in 2020. Love Fargo. Great show. Uh, wow, I didn't. I would never have gotten that one. Nice pull, it Ed. Been nice if Clay Davis popped out of the closet. <laughs> Shit, that would have been good. Um, so then he's like, the the um, gizmos are like kind of like fucking around, and he's like, what is? Also, they just like kind of sleep in his bed. They're not penned or caged or anything. They just kind of like, like bandages him like a human. It was weird. Yeah, they had a weird relationship. And they could kind of like repeat words like my sister's kid, but then they're supposed to be an animal of some sort. It was a weird, they had a weird relationship with these things. And then uh, they, so they give one of the new ones to the science teacher who starts doing like some Mangala shit on one of them. He's like, let me take your blood. He's like, this won't hurt. Lie. He's sticking needles in him. He's got him in a cage. And meanwhile, the other ones are in his room and they're like, not really. He's like, what's gotten into you guys tonight? But they're kind of fine. Like, I don't, I would expect him to act like that normally. And he's like, are you hungry? And then he's like, I guess it's not midnight. So he goes down to the fridge and he opens the fridge and there's, you know, you see like a lot of like the juice pitchers that you'd see from back in the day, your quarts of milk, the kind of shit you'd see in an eighties fridge. But then right there in the middle, is a giant, and I mean giant, plate of fried chicken. Who has that much leftover fried chicken? There's like two chickens worth of leftover fried chicken on the on just an open <laughs> plate in the fridge. It was just a weird. How did? And these people are tight. You know, there's they're not rich. And also, also in this era, in the, this was the boon of. Tupperware. There were Tupperware parties everywhere yep. in the eighties. You would not just leave a plate of fried chicken. No. That's like that's fifties behavior. Yeah, Everyone had crazy. something to close your of course. food in. Absolutely. My, mom, my refrigerator was was half Tupperware by the end of, of the eighties. 
You'd go to a Tupperware party and you'd load up. That's how you acquire. There's no internet back then. You had to go to a party where it was a Tupperware must have been like a multi-level marketing, right? Is that the whole deal with Tupperware? Oh, yeah, it was a complete. Yeah, it was just like Mary Kay and yeah. all that bullshit. It's and like Rubbermaid's like, you know what? Why don't we just mass market this and take out these fucked up moms? I, how about here's here's my solution. We'll give you something to put your food in. But here's the here's the catch. You don't have to talk to anybody's mom or wife. Yeah, you don't. Have to, do it. You, you don't have to You don't have to go sit on anybody's shitty naga-hide couch and and listen to a listen pitch. To shitty pitch. <laughs> yeah, it was a totally it was a total pyramid scheme, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah Tupper. I remember it was invented by this guy Tupper who was like, yeah. Oh yeah. Moms. Mike Tupper. So then the so he gives them some chicken and then the shit starts really popping out freaky shit because they start to molt. They 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 go into slimy, disgusting cocoons. Again, disgusting. Once, once they're in the the the, the, the slime covered Yeah, you call the I don't know, EPA, you call somebody. You, you call somebody. Or, or my theory, you go in the fucking garage where the shovel is. The shovel's got a big fucking heavy steel ant blade on it. And you just fucking smash all those things. Smash, dead, throw them away. You're good. End of movie. <laughs> I, I, I put a note in here that I, I think it was more just a general Christmas note, but they must have been passing by carolers. Carolers always creep me out. What are we supposed to do with them? There was so much caroling in this movie, including by the gremlins at one point. Right. And what, like, what, what's the, it, it's one thing before there was a, you, electricity. Yes. Yeah. Caroling um, makes sense. Like in the old West. What else is anybody yeah. going to do? You're supposed but to. Caroling. Once you even have a radio, why would you need caroling? You're supposed to sit through a whole song. Or multiple songs? And I, I, saw, I saw some carolers in Hoboken a couple of years ago. Uh, it, was, it was scary. Well, you know, these days nobody opens the door, right? You see some carolers no, out there, I, you pretend you're not home. I live in a building that I am not buzzing anyone in. Yeah, definitely not. Plus, they have a package for me. They're not getting in my building. Um. So then, the so he feeds them, and it turns out that they've pulled some shenanigans with his plug-in alarm clock and it's at, it was actually after and midnight and the arbitrary midnight rule yeah and so they tricked him and then also the one that um that mayor clarence royce royce is performing experiments on he's like all right well we're done for the night it's 2 a.m and he's in the middle of eating a sandwich and in the history of sandwiches this has never happened he just drops about two third of the two thirds of the sandwich on the counter and walks away. And he's like, "Okay, I'm done for the night." Blunk, drops his fucking bologna sandwich, and just leaves the lab. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no one's ever why, left. Why would you make a sandwich? Yeah. Or you're gonna do it, and that's this is a real pussy move. You're gonna make a sandwich that you really don't have a big appetite. You would just only make half a sandwich. Yeah. Just or, use one slice of bread. Or you made the whole sandwich. You brought it to work with you to do your experiments. You eat right. You eat half the sandwich. You cut it in half. And you store the second yeah. half. Yeah, put it back in the fridge, in the Tupperware, or in just a baggie. 
But no. If you're, if you're part of the Peltzer family, just put it in a plate. On in a the plate. Of the refrigerator. He fucking drops his sandwich directly in front of the of the gizmo, Mogwai, and he eats the sandwich. And the next day, he, that thing's molting in a cocoon. It's so many disgusting words inside of the cage that he had it in. It was really weird. They're in cocoons. Eventually, the, the cocoons hatch and things take a turn. Um, shouts out to Billy Peltzer's mom because... She looked familiar. I couldn't figure out... Yeah, hold on. I'll tell you in a second. She's um, she's the only one home when these fucking gremlins come out of their, uh, come out of their cocoons and she, they should have put her in charge of fucking up all of these things because she grabs a knife and she starts to fucking stabbing. Like she, she kills a few of these she things. Does what you're supposed to do here. Yeah. yeah. She fucking wrecks shot. And yeah, she takes, she gets some injuries, you know, as would be expected because these things have sharp teeth and claws and shit. She entered a knife fight. Yeah. But, but she, uh, she takes care of some business on her own, um, handles a few, but pretty soon they're like all over the town. Again, all this, they're still pretty small. I would argue that a nice sharp shovel would be the ideal tool to deal with these things. But uh, Hey, a baseball bat. Yeah. An ax, a stomping could do it. A nice strong kick to the head or rib area. And then you stomp all over it with your heel. Uh, you know, I mean, just, it would be a mess. So you wouldn't want to do it. But if you had to, you could just kick these things. Well, it's turns out that this is a life or death situation. Like these things are fucking people up. They're doing murders in the town. Hold on. Francis Lee McCain. Lynn Peltzer. She's definitely been in stuff. Let's see here. Oh, she was on my favorite show from a couple years ago, The Girlfriend Experience. Clearly, she must have played somebody's mom. Riley Keough was in that. I would suggest anybody. Oh, big fan of Elvis's daughter. That's granddaughter. Yes. Anyone near a computer, you want to take a look at Riley Keough if you're not familiar with her. Um, this she did the rounds. She was on all the shows. Bob Newhart. Back to the Future. Baines? Stella Baines? What? She was on... Lorraine's mom. She was Lorraine's mom. Oh, yeah. uh, Rockford Files. Oh, yeah, because this is Spielberg. Right. She was Lorraine's mom when when he comes over for dinner after the Peeping Tom incident. Yep, that's right. Lou Grant. Oh, she she did did an episode of Three's Company. Oh, I bet Larry Dallas had his way. Oh, yeah. St. Elsewhere. Remington Steel. Oh, she was in Footloose. Probably somebody's mom in Footloose. Oh, she was in something called The Rape of Richard Beck. I'm out. Uh, I'm out on The Rape of... (laughs) I don't want to see The Rape of Dick Beck. Fuck no, I'm out on that. Oh, she was was on Dallas. Yeah, she did some stuff. You saw her around. Police Story. Father Dowling. Oh, Father Dowling Mysteries. What a bummer. That was... Mr. Cunningham. Yeah. Tom Bosley. He was a priest that solved crimes. They were, they were really trying to rip off, uh, um, Angela Lansbury with that one where she was a kindly mystery writer that would go where a lot of people got murdered. 
She's like, oh, I'm just at this bed and breakfast to finish my book. What do you mean the house mom's been murdered? Um, oh, she was in one of the worst movies of all time. R.I.P. Robin Williams. But this was one of those movies that was so bad, but a lot of people thought it was good. Patch Adams. Oh, real oh, piece terrible. of shit. Fuck Patch Adams. Uh, oh, so back to the movie. So the mom kills a few of them, but they're... They're still, they're out there wrecking shop. They're, they're doing murders. They go over to Mr. Futterman's house. He's like watching Infowars or something. There's some, there's some kind of like, um, he's like ranting. It's a weird movie. Yeah. And he's, he's ranting against the government and like the government's listening in and you got, there's, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's intergalactic child molesters out here looking to, uh, create a new world order. And it's like, Whoa, dude, it's only 1984. Like calm down. Um, but so he's, he gets murked by these things at some point, I think. Um, then there's like, but here, here's where, yeah, so yeah, I would, I would just say at this point, the movie has problems, but at least everything to this point is mostly a new experience from this point forward. Once the mom, starts fight once they're they've hatched then you see kind of a variation on the same thing for the next 45 minutes It's long it's really long but then also he's like at so billy goes to the school and he's like i gotta talk to mangala about this and then he goes to the school and mangala got murked by the gremlin that he grew when he tried to give it a candy bar he did the the movie thing where you're like i'm just gonna reach under this table what could go wrong and he just gets fucking wrecked by the thing so Billy goes there and he's dead and then he's like getting chased by the other gremlin and then he fucking chases it into the pool. And that's where things really take a turn because it makes like thousands more. They, they keep they keep cutting back to the mom who's just wrecking shit. Yeah, she's got she's got she gets multiple knives and she's just stabbing him in the eye and like shit. Squeezing hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Killing him. Yeah, they're spinning around on the ceiling fan and shit. Yeah, no, she's doing work. And then, but like, they just keep cutting the same stuff. Then they cut to the racist guy who has yeah. the tractor. Yeah, and they, they Mr. Futterman. Keep, right. So this, finally, Billy goes to the cops, and like all small town cops, they don't believe him. And who's one of the small town cops? Yeah, Mike from Breaking Bad is Deputy Brent, and the cops. Are, I like this about cops in small towns. They're like. Just laugh at you. Yeah, they're 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 they don't believe you. They're smoking cigars in the police station, and they're also pouring whiskey into coffee mugs. Which <laughs> is anti work. Small town cops <laughs> hate work. Yeah, they don't they don't believe them, and they, but then they they're like out doing patrol to like look into it, and they see a pack of gremlins mauling Santa to death, and then Mike from Breaking Bad. He just, the yeah, he just like looks out the window. He's like, wow, this fucking Santa's really getting murked over there. Like you, <laughs> you swore an oath, dude, but it, it's, it made me wonder Mike from Breaking Bad, the great Jonathan Banks. He's these days he's on Better Call Saul and he looks about how old he probably is. I would guess I, in his early late sixties, probably, but in, but 30 Years ago, or more, more than th- 35 years ago, when he was in this Gremlins, 
he looked about like 51. Yeah, he really grew into his age. Yeah, because he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Right, he was Victor Maitland's right-hand man. Yeah, he was also the henchman in Armed and Dangerous, a good John Candy, Eugene Levy movie. Yes, this guy's been Um, working a while. He's great. He's great, but he he looked way older than he, he... what he was in the 80s. And then you didn't see him for a while. And then Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Now he's the appropriate age. Right. Because he's got to be what? I'm going to look right now. How far? We need a how far. I, I would think he's 70. Yeah. We need a how fucking old is this guy song for this guy? Or for this when we want to debate the age of a guy? Yeah. We've got talented listeners. Let's go. Right. How fucking old is this guy? Jonathan Banks, Mike from Breaking Bad. Born, so you say 70. Pretty close, Ed. I say he's born in 1940. I'll say 71, 48. He was born. Very close. January 31st, 1947. Approaching his 73rd birthday, Mike from Breaking Bad. Which means in 1984, 35 years ago. Uh Uh-oh. Mike, get some sleep. Buddy. He was like 37. Uh, wow. Yeah. This, people lived hard in the 80s, man. It was a, t- what, it was a again, tough time. Once again, when he goes to, this is one of my first points, when he goes to the cops about like, hey, I've got this gizmo and things are going bad, they just kind of shrug off the fact that he just showed up with a creature to show them. They're yeah. Like, oh, that thing? Yeah. Oh. Right. It's a, it's care. a, it's a Nobody thing. Nobody cares that he's got a monster. So there was no internet, and I was debating this uh, with Fancy Sauce last night as I was watching this. There was no internet then, but there was encyclopedias. So say, for instance, like you showed me in the 80s, like a lemur or like one of those like little like um, monkey, those like little like pygmy monkeys that live in the in the South America. Like, I would know that was a thing. I would be like, oh, yeah, that's one. I've seen that at a zoo. Right? Like, and, but, but then you show me a mogwai and I'd be like, oh, that's a fucking alien. Like, kill it. You need to kill that thing. It's good. It's going to start birthing. Call someone. Yeah. Yeah. Call somebody. Also, good idea. Um, but now these fucking gremlins, again, they can drive. They're driving tractors and it's like, a couple of them are doing the pedals and one guy's steering, standing on another guy's back. It's like, how do they do that? They're like, how do they know how to do that? They can kind of read. They're like, oh, candy. Oh, like something's happening over there. They're like reading stuff. They're sabotaging traffic lights where they're like, they're like turn the wires. So it's like green every direction and all the cars are crashing into each other. Like what? How do they know so much stuff? They can kind of talk, but not really. It's weird. Also, you see this quite a bit as the gremlins are running roughshod over the town. They're out knocking on doors, singing Christmas carols, and they're fucking, uh, they're dressed. They have like jackets and hats. But like, yeah, tailored to them. Yeah, and, and earmuffs. And it's not like they're wearing adult sizes or kids like they're adult looking clothes, but these things are like toddler size. I also want to point out that um, the Futtermans have the single scariest Christmas decoration I've ever seen. What was it? 
I just texted it to you. It's just, it looks like a dead-eyed Santa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is that? What is that? It's terrifying. So anyway, it's, they run roughshod over the town. Um, There's one of them, the one, the main one. um, Well, first, somehow they all go to watch a movie. And I don't know how they determine that it's all of them are in the movie theater, but they're all, they're, they can't be in bright lights and the movie theater is dark, but the screen is very bright in a movie theater. So I don't know how we reconcile that. I know they didn't have Netflix back then. Yeah. So, and they're all watching Snow White. But Snow White in the movie theater shows, there's just one movie playing. And it's Snow White. It's Snow White. Yeah. Snow White in 1984. That's weird. It's weird. And, but they're all, apparently they're all there watching it. And for some, somehow, um, Billy and Kate, realize that and so they're like they're they go hey we need to do a an inglorious bastards on this theater and they like lock the doors and then they turn they like open a gas valve yeah it kind of bummed me out because it seems like tarantino just stole this he kind of did yeah it's kind of he basically did the same thing it's the exact thing it's homage maybe um, he burns they, but the, it works like they get out. It's a, kind of a sketchy plan because you could end up going out like the chick in inglorious bastards where you fucking burn up behind the screen, but it, it worked. They got out and the theater explodes and they're all killed somehow. They know they're all in there. I don't, that's not explained, but then the one main one, the boss stripe stripe, which I keep wanting to call him spike, but yeah, he's the, too. he's got a mo- white Mohawk. He, bounces over to the um, candy store and then Billy goes in there to fucking duke it out with him. And a lot of shit goes on. First of all, Stripe has a crossbow and it's like the right size for him somehow. I don't know how that's point. There's a lot of crossbowing in the eighties. And then I feel like you never saw a crossbow again. And then there's the the walking dead guy, I think has a crossbow. Now that show's still on. Uh, anyway, he almost he gets crossbowed in the arm by Stripe, and then Stripe's about to fuck him up with a with a chainsaw, and this is a little bit of an issue for me. He blocks the chainsaw with a wooden Louisville slugger that a chainsaw could easily go through. Like it it's might take. What, it's what a chainsaw is designed it's, to it's, cut it's, it's made to cut wood. But he he's having a real hard time with it. In his defense, it is an electric chainsaw that Stripe has somehow figured out to plug in. But eventually, um, Billy... But, but if you had a chainsaw, by the time Stripe gets that thing over, or if he had a tra- chainsaw, and Billy's holding a baseball bat, you could swing away at yeah, his face. Of course, of course, and smash him. Rather than just hold it up to be the resistance to the chainsaw. You would just kill him. Yeah. Eventually, they chase Stripe, and he gets into like this fountain thing, like one of those like um, entryway fountains that you'd see in somebody's courtyards courtyard and it's like the water and i don't know like these the gremlins are pretty smart like they can figure out how to rewire traffic lights they can't figure out how to just get themselves wet and reproduce thousands more of themselves but he's getting all wet and you can see those they're more gross things bubbling out of his back it was so disgusting and then but then they figure out to hey let's just turn on the lights because it's like it might be like a greenhouse or something that they're in they turn on the lights and the lights are really bright. And then he boils up like the Ark of the Covenant. Again, Spielberg borrowing from himself and his face boils off and he looks all disgusting and he melts. And that's it. That's it for the gremlins. But not before we get 
to the bottom of why Phoebe Kate's character, Kate, hates Christmas in one of the fucking great speeches of all time. And I couldn't, I don't even know if this is like the right clip. I didn't watch it all the way through, but I couldn't really find the clip. But I think this is it. I'm surprised it's not. I know. I, th- I thought there'd be like 20 of them, but I found one. I think this is it. And you know, the writer was feeling really proud of himself with this, this soliloquy. It's, this is how much cocaine people were doing in the 80s that they that somebody wrote this and all sorts of people including steven spielberg signed off on it and went oh no we got to keep this in this has got to be in the movie we need this speech this soliloquy to tell the story of gremlins everything was falling apart it was snowing outside the house was freezing she's telling the story of, of a christmas from her childhood when she was a young girl so I went to try to light up the fire, and that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He'd been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck, died instantly. And that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Wow. So. Wow. I mean, Phoebe Cates' dad one of the all-time dumbest characters in movie history, and we just never saw him. But, you know, the whole Santa thing, Yeah, kids eventually go to sleep, right? You know you don't actually have to go through the gym. <laughs> the, whole point, the whole point of Santa is that no one sees him. Right. Because you just wait till they're asleep. Exactly. <laughs> he went... Who, who thinks chimney is an actual way to get through? No, the the chimney hole is much too small for a human. Like we've, and also, we've learned this. The, the cop was just being kind because Phoebe Cates is so cute, but died instantly? Or, yeah, maybe maybe just sat there for a while. Oh, yeah. Suffered. Yeah, he was suffocated eventually. Or died of starvation, or just the stress of it all, had a heart attack. Um, an awful end to an awful movie. Uh, Phoebe Cates, beautiful Phoebe Cates, was the bright spot. Uh, and the, the reporter yeah. at the end, I, I might add, was the principal from Teen Wolf. Oh, was he? Wait, oh. You know the evil principal? Yeah, that makes him, like, that pees himself. Yes, that, that's the reporter at the end on TV. Wait, wasn't he also the principal from Teen Wolf is also the admiral from Top Gun? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Back to the Future. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, pees himself is... is, is, uh, I know who you're talking about. I I think he's only... and And then also, while they're watching this guy, then the old dude, something Luke. What was the Chinese guy? Mr. Oh, Key Luke. Yeah. Key Luke. He just shows up at their house. Yeah. How does he know where they live? He shows up and takes his mogwai back. 
And he's like, I, I believe exchanging I, information. Yeah, he he's like, I believe there was a box. You have a box? And he get, has to get the box that he came in back to. Then he then he walks down this snowy street, heads home. Uh, anything else to add, Ed? Well, like like I've asked many times on the show, what was the end game? What Not was sure. Not sure. When you write something like this, what what are you trying to say? Because, like you said in the beginning, were they try were they trying to be funny? Were they trying to scare you? What were they trying to do? Um, yeah, not sure. There were. It wasn't funny, and it was. Wasn't not it wasn't really, scary enough, and it wasn't no, funny. No, it wasn't funny. It was kind of more gross than scary, but also like, I get that they're like trying to make a comment on how Christmas is too commercialized or whatever. But also, that didn't really come through. You had to really look for that. The whole thing sucked, and this movie made a lot of money and was a super big hit. And that's because we were starved for entertainment back then. And the, the real move, if you cared about society, would be to murder Gizmo. Yeah. that's Well, at the end, that's what I was thinking. Before Mr. Luke comes and picks him up, you got to like, kill sorry. Gizmo. This is going to happen again. Because what if Gizmo just happens to wander into the rain? Yes. I mean, it, there's water it's, everywhere. Or the, or the eating. You know, you these guys are so careless with their sandwiches. And they just let him live in his bed. They sleep together in bed together. It's not like he's caged. He could fucking wander downstairs and and crack the fridge. And we know nothing's in Tupperware. Do you think that's true? Do you think Millie, uh, Billy's end game was to uh, get Gizmo to learn mouth stuff? Well, they did. They had a very close sleeping relationship, closer than I would ever have with a Mogwai. That was odd. <laughs> Very strange, especially because Phoebe Cates wanted to share his bed. And then I'm just looking at it when when uh, the old dude Key Luke walks off into the distance. the The least realistic part of the movie, including the Gremlins, and I, I will admit, just the scene in the kitchen, I thought the graphics were pretty good. When they tried to do the whole group of them walking down the street, looked terrible. And but the worst of all the graphics. When Key Luke walks off into the distance, he walks into a Thomas Kincaid picture. The neighborhood is just this. Yes. Yeah. It looks it, so it fake. It looks like the fakest thing you've ever seen. Painter of light. Boz look more realistic than that. Totally agree. Okay. Gremlins sucked. Um, we it watched bad. it. We watched it. So you don't have have to. I would. I would really recommend against watching it. A lot of times I'll say go back and watch the movie when we do one of these. This is not. This is not a good. Definitely one. don't do that. Okay. That's been episode 299. We appreciate it. For Ed Daly, my name is Brian Beckner. Again, this has been episode 299 of the Baller Lifestyle Podcast. We'll see you next week. Broadcasting weekly, that's what we do. With Easy Ed Daly and the man Jay Stew and Brian Beckner, quick to dissect the week in sports and culture and whatever. Plus, you know there's Kate with a C, but she's known as Fancy Pop to you and me. Talking loud, comments, conundrums, my brothers. Reviewing some movies and shows and the others. Top podcast, man, no one is above us. Five star, even the haters will love us. And we're not trying to talk politics a lot. We'd much rather talk about dicks a lot. Shit's so hot, man, you know the shit's on top. Top podcast, man, it really hits the spot. Listen up, you players and shot callers. TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. And you know the show is so flawless. TBLS. 
LS, the lifestyle's baller. Listen up, you players and shot callers. TBLS, the lifestyle's baller. And you know the show is for all us. TBLS, the lifestyle's baller.